Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And a welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler here with Ira Work and Swaski. We're going to talk about money and finance. I'll let them mostly talk today. This will be fun. I think this will be really fun. Well, that's because it'll be different. It'll be different. Yeah. I mean, usually. Everybody knows what I think about stuff. I mean, usually they let us Everybody knows what I think about stuff. I mean, well, you know, it's like, <laughs> go to sleep. Okay, it's Paul talking. Wait, what do you guys got today? What do you want to talk about? What, what's happening? Well, Ann sent in a very interesting article. Um, it takes a lot less money to feel wealthy than to actually be it, the survey finds. Yeah, I thought that I thought this was fascinating because there was a survey that was just done. And uh, this is from uh, Wealth Advisor. It takes a lot less money to feel wealthy than to be it, survey finds. And uh, Charles Schwab does a survey of modern wealth. And according to that, they polled a thousand Americans about saving, spending, investing in wealth and when asked what amount they considered to be wealthy, the survey respondents said an average of 2.2 million. Yet, 48% of the Americans view themselves as wealthy, but they don't have 2.2 million. They had an average net worth of 560,000. <laughs> So <laughs> that was very puzzling to me. <laughs> but I guess the interesting thing about it is, though, is it's showing uh, a change in what the perception of wealth is. So wealth or being rich, rather than maybe in the past being how much money you had, now it is well-being and, uh, you know, it's not a dollar amount. It's more having, well, here, three to five Americans said having a healthy relationship with loved ones is a better way to describe wealth than but, having a lot of money. So, you know, I think that should be five out of five. I mean, well, that's true. <laughs> so, that's yeah, true. the other two, we don't really care what they think about <laughs> that's us. That's true, yeah. Uh, well, I don't care about having a better relationship with them. I think that should have been five out of five. Right. Yeah, that's a great point, Ira. Okay, but, I, I got yeah. I got chime in because some people don't think it's possible. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> you know, so probably why it's three out of five, that, that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I bet those people that don't think it's possible think it's because it's the other person's fault. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's true. Okay. So now it also said forty percent of Americans mentioned well-being as opposed to wealth versus 32% who responded with money and 26% who said assets. So that's actually, again, I think, Ira, to your point, kind of, that's kind of good, really, right? Because it's not a focus on just money as uh, what makes you happy, what what makes you feel like you have a good life, you know? So I, I actually think this is uh, interesting. And uh, it said here, 
Um, when asked to describe what money means to them, 70% of Americans said enjoying experiences over owning nice things. That would definitely be my wife. I, I, I think that's, I mean, I'm like that, honestly. Yeah. So are my kids. Yeah, my my wife, husband, not so much. He loves to work, you know, yeah. but. My, my wife is always talking about creating experiences rather than having more stuff. Right. You know, yeah. She'd rather drive a 10-year-old car and go on a trip to Europe than get a new car. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually yeah. the same way. Like when my kids say, what do you want for my birthday or Mother's Day? Or I say, I would like a visit or I would like to spend time with you, especially since my kids live elsewhere. You know, so for me, that is a much more meaningful thing than getting a piece of jewelry or getting whatever, you know, it's, I just rather spend time, have a nice vacation with people or go out to a nice dinner now and then or whatever, something with people I love doing mm -hmm. meaningful things. Yep. So I, and, and, and I think some of this is people are reevaluating based on COVID. So I think we're seeing some of the effects of the isolation that happened in 2020 where people were working so hard, they were um, trying to, you know, make money, but then they are stuck at home, isolated away from family and friends and so on, couldn't go travel, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, I think it makes people reevaluate. A lot of people anyway. New research actually showing that people are having vacations where they leave their phone home. They don't even take, that's that's the hottest new trend right now. So it's funny you're talking about that. You know what? There's, well, there's a lot of truth to that because um, we have a cottage in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very remote. And honestly, now we have high-speed internet thanks to the government, because they have this initiative to go into remote areas. And I guess there's some good to that. But on the other hand, I used to really enjoy going up there and telling my employer, "Yeah, oh, I'm not going to have a signal. Sorry. <laughs> you know, because you get a break. A joint friend of all of ours actually talks about when they were kids you know, and going on vacation and said, now people are going, oh my gosh, I can't afford a $3,000 vacation. <laughs> His point is, we never had $3,000 vacations. We'd go out and pitch a tent. That right. was our vacation. Right, right. You know, that was connection. And, yeah, you know, right. Real roughing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where do you think that number, the $2 million comes from? Because I've had people come into my office and say, well, I, I need to have $2 million for retirement. You know, I'm looking at what they have in their portfolio when they have five or 600000 they're 58 years old. And my, you know, conversation with them is, well, unless you're going to work till 80, you're probably never going to accumulate $2 million. Mm -hmm. So why do you think people have that number in their head? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a great question. And maybe it's, it, that's not in the study, but I mean, maybe that's just the it's, concept of 4% of a million. And it's the Rockefeller I, thing. Yeah. You know, was, <laughs> Rockefeller was asked once, sir, you're the richest man in the entire world. How much more do you need? 
just a little bit more was his answer. <laughs> so it's always it's always more. Even if you got to two million, it'd be like, well, what's rich? And then they would say four. Yeah. But right. I've, all right. So I personally think it's the industry that actually creates that, because I've listened to financial radio shows and they talk about you're going to need two million dollars to retire. Well, you keep putting that message Why out. Why do you listen to financial research? <laughs> do you not like yourself? Because I, I, no, because I want to hear what my clients are hearing. I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. They, I, know. No, I know. I'm glad you do. Yeah, so You're taking one from the in, team. <laughs> um, but you, know, you, you keep telling that. You keep telling that story. You keep telling that story. And people begin to believe that. Mm -hmm. So even though they have nowhere near it, and then when I sit down with them in practice and we look at what their expenses are, and show them, well, 70% of your expenses or 60% of your expenses will be covered by Social Security. And then you have more than enough assets to withdraw income with mm -hmm. five or $600,000 in your investments that you don't have to stress out about the fact that you're not going to retire with $2 million. Well, you, you know why the number's that high. Ira, you've been doing this for... 39 up, years. Yeah, I was going to say almost 40 years. Almost. You know, you've seen so much dis dysfunction in the investment industry. Correct. That you do need that much money because they, because they because have they to have gamble to pay, half yeah. of it away. Or they have to pay guys like so you for twice as much because... Well, they come to see you for therapy. <laughs> well, <laughs> but you think about that. I mean, that's really what's going on. Well, or they're not investing it properly. Well, that's what I mean. They're not right. getting. They're screwing the it up so badly. You need twice as much money, right? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Rodney Dangerfield. How do you make a million dollars in the stock market? Let's <laughs> yeah, start with two. I actually, I actually <laughs> used that joke this week. Somebody. <laughs> um, but you know, the one I like the I like the next paragraph. That talks about 70% of you said enjoying experiences. Mm -hmm. um, but then it goes on to talk about 63% choose good health. Um, right, right. Which I don't know why 100% are not choosing good health. You know, as a two-time cancer survivor, I know how important good health is. And I know all the money in the world can't buy good health. Right, right. Okay? Well, you yeah. don't appreciate something until you lose it, right? Right. Or suffer with something. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Right. You know, I mean, and you lose good health. You it, suffer from something. Right. Sure. And the point and the point when I say that is that money can't buy good health. If it was able to do that, Steve Jobs would still be alive. Oh yeah, you can think over and over again of situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, mm -hmm. the man was worth hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars, and he's gone. Cancer took him. Guy I knew was working as a parking attendant at. Vanderbilt. And he talked about that. Somebody pulled up in this limousine, fine limousine, and he said, I didn't help him. Mm -hmm. And that was his point. Pulled up in the, he was pulled up in the limousine for treatment, obviously. See what I mean? Right, mm -hmm. right. And, and mm -hmm. on that note too, 69% of Americans said having a healthy work-life balance. And, and I, that's related to health, really, because stress causes very often adverse health effects too. So, so I think people are starting to realize there really is a relationship between too much stress, too much worry and health and not having good relationships with well, what other about, people. And What about somebody's uh, view of work? 
I mean, some people mm -hmm. will criticize that, saying the work-life balance is going way more too, too much toward life for some people. Well, and, that's and what true about too. Your, what what mm -hmm. about your view of work? I mean, what do you, how what do you view work as being? That would be a question for you guys. To you, what is it? I don't know because I love what I do. So you know, helping clients. That's my point. I don't feel like I work. That's my point. You know, I have clients that, you know, they might be working at some of the major corporations around, the, around you know, the, the area. And they like working. They like having something to do. They like the camaraderie of having other people to interact with. But they're just not happy putting that one thing, you know, repetitive action. So they want to retire but then find something else that they can do, maybe just on a part-time basis, not another full-time job. So I think a job is where you have to go to work because you have bills to pay, a mortgage, food, insurance, maybe you don't even have a mortgage, but you need the income, you're not ready for social security yet, but you don't like what you do. Well, you're probably not gifted really in whatever it is that you're doing. It's not something that is a gifting. It's like a natural, this is what I was born to do. And a lot of people end up in jobs like that. And a lot of times it's because they take whatever they can get. It's safety that they're after. Right. And and I've noticed too, just with people in my family and friends or even financial planning clients, a lot of time, not always, but very often the people who are in the big corporations very high stress positions. And those are the ones that can't wait to retire. And, and in fact, I had a cousin, we went, uh, we went off on a, a weekend with my cousin. He worked at a big company. He retired very early. He did well, but I mean, he's, I told my husband, I said, he spent the whole weekend trying to talk us into retire and how it was so much better. And, and, and I told my cousin, I said, you were in a different situation than me. I like what I'm doing. Mm. I'm helping people. I'm finally doing something I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After it is. how many years? And and I don't want to retire. And my husband is the same way. He loves what he's doing. And that's the idea is it's service to humanity. Mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm getting tired, if I'm engaged in something where I feel like it's service to humanity, and, and I was thinking about this is... What do you do? Do you feel like if you stepped away from what you do, would people be harmed by you stepping away from what you do? And I think the three of us would say absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference is that there is something, there's meaning in it and there's purpose in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so, so I think that's a big deal. Hey guys, if you want specific advice for your unique situation, schedule a free 15-minute phone chat with one of our trusted advisors by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. We don't sell any products and our advisors don't make any commissions, so this isn't a sales call. We have a coaching process that helps you understand investing and relax about money. Don't put blind trust in anyone with your financial assets. We want to partner with you in the process so you know what you're doing and why. We manage assets on a fee-only basis, which means that when you do well, we do well, which aligns our interests with yours from the start. We also bring you into the financial planning process that gives you a clear plan so you can find the freedom to pursue your purpose. All our advisors are degreed planners too, with years of experience. So schedule a free 15-minute phone call with an advisor by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. Guys are in the anchor position. Come on! All right, so, Andrew, wait into this. 
whatever. So, in a few weeks back, and I want to hear from you because we did the American Dream experience. Mm-hmm. What were your clients saying when they left? What was their overall experience? You know, um, every time I bring clients to it, they thank me, mm-hmm. and they're so glad they went, and which what- is just wonderful. Now, the um, uh, they they'll walk away with a lot more peace of mind mm-hmm. and knowledge. They wish they'd done it twenty years ago. You hear that a lot. You guys um, got another one coming coming up, right? We do. We have one coming up in August. Uh, the dates are August. Uh, let me pull out that calendar. Sorry, I went through that one at you. Uh, <laughs> but I knew you had another one coming yeah, up. So, so this is basically, what, while he's looking for that, basically this is a, a two-day mm-hmm. workshop, two days out of the rest of your life that make the rest of your life better. It's a pretty good investment. And yeah. something that we put together here, we're doing on a pr- pretty regular basis. And this is one of those ones where I get to kind of kick back and watch you guys Watch, watch you guys run. You do a phenomenal job. Yeah, it's going to be August 17th and 18th in the Franklin area. I'm waiting for Evan, um, one of our colleagues, to uh, give me the address. <laughs> but you can go to paulwinther.com, and I believe the dates are on the website. They should be if they're not. Um, and if they're not, they will be on Monday. Um, and we'll have the address for that um, very up shortly thereafter. Uh, but my clients have absolutely loved it. Oh, I know. Um, Mine do too. You know, Mine do too. It's, what, when, what in particular? Because they're two very distinctly different days. Um, okay, so the first day we're talking about what investors are dealing with when it comes to their money. Uh, the things that actually work against them, people in the industry that actually work against them, uh, which is really the whole basis of why you started the show over 20 years ago is to help investors see that the industry at large is not their friend, that the industry at large is looking for a way to extract money to go to the bottom line, which are shareholders, where what what we're doing is educating the investor so they can actually see what the investment process takes in order to be successful, that they're not trusting an advisor blindly and they understand the decisions that are being made for their portfolio. Well, the idea was always to come at it from an education standpoint, not representing the investment company. It was to equalize because the problem was there was an information imbalance. We have too much information where the advisor has all the information, the client has none, and therefore that puts the client at a disadvantage. And it was always the desire to put the client back on even ground with the investment world. I mean, kind of, what do you think? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that sums it up pretty well. Uh, so that would be on like day one that you're actually going through that and finding out what's holding you back. Um, one of the things that is talked about in the workshop, for example, is... And I grew up with it, you know, what we call the no talk rule. Nobody wants to talk about money. Um, Well, you're brought up. I mean, I heard this when I was a kid. Uh, That's very rude to talk about money. (laughs) Right. And that's what we do all day long with people. We talk about money. Right. Um, Yeah. So, you know, what, you know, the joke um, being, you know, the two biggest causes of, of divorce are sex and money. You know, we are money experts. You know, we can't counsel people on sex. 
Well, actually, Paul might. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you get a counseling degree and you're yeah, pretty well seen. Well, a counseling degree with master's. So, I yeah, he's, a, he's able to actually talk about that. Alone. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, the point I want to make, you, you know, the first day you were talking about this, and the biggest worry that people have is running out of money. And I think the big part of the big the first day is to help people get to the idea that they probably need less and it, which sounds funny coming from a financial planner, you need less to really do what you want to do in life than you probably think. And that takes a lot of pressure off. I think that's a big part of the first day. Well, and the other thing I do always encourage my clients to invite their adult kids because doing it as a family is very powerful. And I did it with my family. Uh -huh. I did it with my adult kids they were all really happy they went because imagine the power you have if you're a 30-year-old and you get educated and you start investing properly for the rest of your life and planning instead of waiting until you're 50 or 60 and then trying to figure it out. I mean, you can change lives that way. And I had uh, one of my clients come with their um, uh, adult child who just really didn't know what she wanted to do. And uh, by the end of the two days, she had a plan. Mm. And she was coming up with another way to have a better career and move and do, That's I mean, exciting. it was really amazing. That's exciting. That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah, I mean, you can change uh, lives in a significant way with that uh, American dream experience. And well, in the, in the investment side too, you know, just let me throw this at you guys. That conversation I had with somebody yesterday, I don't know if you saw this in the text stream, Ira, but I had a conversation with a, a lady and, and she, we got to talking about finance and you, you know where I'm going. I know and, and heard the comment going. she said, she goes, hey, Paul, I, I actually set up a Roth IRA. And, and you know, I, I just felt like I needed to do this. I set up an IRA and this girl, in her, she's in her 20s. And I said, oh, wow, great. What did you invest in? Gear in the headlights. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, yeah, exactly. Didn't, didn't even know that it just thought a Roth IRA was an investment. Well, I hear, I hear you know, statements similar to that um, where uh, people say, well, you know, I have my 401k and then I have these mutual funds with this other company. Mm-hmm. And I have to go through the breakdown of, you know, the 401k, the IRA, the Roth IRA, a joint or a personal account with or without a spouse or a partner. Those are just requirements of how the companies have to report to internal revenue service what happens inside that type of account. Like the IRA, for example, you could put away $6,500 if you're under 50. The, I, you know, if you're over 50 or older, you can put away an extra thousand dollars. Whereas in the 401k, if you're under 50, you can put away 22,500 and 30,000 if you're over 50. So those are just the rules of that particular bucket, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But then you can put that money in cash. You can put that money into a single stock. We don't recommend that. You can put the money into a single bond. We don't recommend that either. You mean gold? Uh, oh, heaven forbid you put it through gold. Oh, I have a great story about gold okay. too. Okay. Um, so I would have, you know, years ago, I, and even today, I had people say, I'll, I'll say, well, I have an IRA at the bank. I'm like, well, what do they have it in? Well, it's an IRA. Now, okay, I got that, but what is inside the IRA that is going to make you money or get you from here through retirement. 
Because a lot of people think I need to accumulate this money for retirement, which is partially true. But the other part of that is it has to be invested correctly to get us through retirement. Because if we do retire and we don't have another job, we're not making any more money. So we're dependent upon that money that we accumulated simply because in most cases, pensions are not there anymore. I did some kind of thing where I was talking about if you put in a certain amount of money, I can't remember the number, but I, but I remember it was something to the effect and I had a 40-year time horizon that I was using as an example. And I made the point that if you had invested in, I think, it was, I think all I'd used was the S&P 500, if I remember correctly. And it was something in the neighborhood of only when they got 40 years down the road, only 20% of the account value was money that they put in. The other 80% was the growth versus, and then I used treasury bills was the second example or fixed income or CDs or something like that. You might see at a bank and an IRA, uh, in, a, in a bank IRA, CD IRA. And it was literally well over half of the money that you put there was money that you put there that ended that it grew to. And that's that's a big deal. So yeah. this could be hundreds of thousands of dollars difference knowing and not knowing this. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.